It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Redskins. I'm your host, as always, Zach Hicks, and I'm joined by an awesome guest today. He is on Redskins Capital Connection, host of On the Warpath podcast, and you guys all know him as our offensive line genius on Redskins Twitter. How's it going, Robbie Duncan? Pretty good, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, exciting time to have you on, and you know, this actually only started because we were going to argue about a different topic besides Redskins and football. So we are actually yes. going to start this podcast with a different topic than what I usually do. So, Robbie, I just want to start this off by saying I don't dislike Tarantino movies. I do okay. I, I do like Tarantino. I think he's a good director. I think he does some good work. And Glorious Bastards has two of the greatest scenes in movie history. I think Reservoir Dogs is one of the best movies I've ever seen. But Hateful Eight just didn't do it for me, man. What what did you see in this movie? For me, it's it's the same old, same old with Tarantino, though. Like it's just brilliant dialogue, like real character development, especially the your sheriff or not sheriff uh, character. I forgot his name all of a sudden, but Maddox. Yeah, I, Chris Maddox, I think his name was Maddox. Thank you. Yep. Yeah, he yep. he comes across as this dumb old, you know, hick, racist, you know, yeah. p- claiming claiming to be a sheriff, and then by the end. Him and uh, Mark West have this real tight bond, and they take down this gang. And he really has this big character development, and turns down their offer, calling her bluff. It was awesome to me. I, I loved it. Yeah, I will start by saying the good that I had with it. You know, on this podcast, I do a lot of the good, the bad, the ugly. So to kind of somewhat do that with this movie, the good I really did like the characters, and the actors did a really good job with the characters for sure. Especially Chris Maddox was probably the best character in it just because he was jumping all over the place, and it was really awesome. He was like a real-life person, kind of, as a character, which is cool. I really did like his character. And also, I really did like Samuel Jackson's character, uh, Marquise. He was awesome. And the dialogue at the end was definitely good. I My big problem with it was, I think the beginning was so slow. Like, I was just waiting for something to happen for, like, an hour and a half. And it was just, like... I can see that. Like it, like, it was fine. I didn't really think too much of it. But then when it got to, like, the overly gory, like, deaths in the very middle, that's when it just turned me off. Because I, I got to tell you, man, I have this thing with movies, right? If I ever see throw up in a movie, if I, like, legit see the throw up, it drops the movie so much for me. I just can't. Okay, so, so Kirk Douglas dying in, in the... The cab driver did it for you, huh? Yeah, man. I, I just can't do it. Like, <laughs> like there's movies where I've watched, right? Like, uh... What's, what's that movie? Pitch Perfect, right? Not even that good a movie. People yeah. like it. I thought it was funny for a little bit. And then there's that throw-up scene, like, halfway through it, where they're just, like, swimming around and puke. And I'm just like, what is... What the... F-? I'm like, what am I watching here? It's disgusting. <laughs> but I, I gotta say, too, I loved Kirk Douglas in this as well. It was just like... Oh, yes. Tar- Tarantino let Kirk Douglas be Kirk Douglas, and it was it was great. Yeah, there was a lot of good in it. I mean, there was a lot of good. I did I did actually just finish watching it because I couldn't stomach watching it the first time when we were actually planning this. But I did just finish watching it. I do think it's better than what I initially said because the ending is yeah. excellent. But again, it's just the the gore, the the too much of it, I think. The too much gore and too much of disgusting. And then just so slow at the beginning, man. I just thought Tarantino uh, I, lost I, his touch for a little bit. 
I get that gripe. I mean, but you got to establish who these characters are. Yeah. You know, Mark, Mark West was this famous bounty hunter and, and was a big part of the war in the, the Civil War. And, and the hangman is, has this legend to him. So they had to establish that to make it more important. And especially at the end when they kind of like did the tribute to the hangman. You don't yeah. you don't just die. You hang. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I like that part, too. But, the, you know, you go into The Hateful Eight, you got to know what you're getting into. It's a Tarantino movie. He, you know, he loves to kind of exaggerate the gore. You watch Kill Bill, a guy gets a paper cut and it's gushing all over the place. (laughs) Yeah, very true. So you know what you're getting into. And I mean, it's not always for everybody, but it's a great movie to me. It's just great dialogue. It's kind of the uh, classic whodunit type thing. Who poisoned the coffee? It was good. I had you guessing the whole time. Yeah, true. I did. I do like how anti-cliche he goes with his movies. That's my one favorite thing about Tarantino. Like, he'll kill off your your main actor, your main character, twenty minutes into the movie. He doesn't care. And then he'll, <laughs> yeah. And then he'll instead of having one person that did it, he'll have a whole group of people that did it. So he he does do excellent job with that. But overall, I'm not a huge Tarantino guy. What makes Tarantino so great for you? It's the interaction of the characters. Like you, yeah. the first thing I go to is the interaction between Jules and and uh, and Vic, Vince in the Pulp Fiction opening scene. You know, after after Honey Bunny and and the Tim Roth do their thing, you have uh, Samuel L. Jackson talking in the car. Just random, you know, bull that just has no real. It doesn't really mean anything towards the movie plot wise. It's just two characters bullshitting back and forth. And it's just really good dialogue. It, it kind of makes you feel makes it more real to me. You know, it's like real conversation that these characters have besides just driving a plot forward you know yeah i'm completely with you i mean the dialogue in inglorious bastards i always mention this because like i said two two of the greatest scenes i think in the history of movies are in that movie right there the opening scene the dialogue in that scene is oh just, yeah god i was i've never been so into a scene before like i was at the, i was sitting at the edge of my seat so tarantino does do some great work it's just i think overall like throughout entire movies i do struggle to say focused at times but I will never say anything terrible about Tarantino. He does some great work. And Hateful Eight, I will say, when I finished it, was a little better than what I thought. There was one scene, though, where I was kind of... I thought Tarantino was being lazy. It was where Maddox was describing Marquise's backstory. And I was like, this is a little bit lazy. Because it was just... I'm going to give a thousand things of exposition here. And then I'm just going to go to sleep. Like I was like, this is a little weird. Yeah, that part did kind of drag on. And, and the yeah. way... Maddox delivered it, just kind of made it drag on even more because he had that slow delivery that all oh, shucks. Uh, the way I heard it, yeah, uh, yeah it's just <laughs> same. Kind of, so yeah, I, I get that. You know, it's it's not his best. I mean, for me, Pulp Fiction is number one. I mm-hmm. love Django too, um, and Glorious Bastards was great. But I mean, all down the line, he he hasn't made that much bad movies, in my opinion. I I, I go to I'm like opening night there each time. Yeah. So so what would be your top three? For, for Tarantino movies? I'd say number one, Pulp Fiction. Number two, Reservoir Dogs. And then number three, uh, Django. I like it. I like it. So guys, that was our big Tarantino thing we were talking about there. I don't know if you guys are into it or not. We definitely were. But as before we jump into this next part, we're going to have Robbie talking about offensive linemen from this past week. I do want to remind you guys that we do have two more big guests coming on this week. Justin Gamble of NFL Draft Bible and Josh Mensch of The Purple Report are going to be jumping on the podcast this week, so be sure to check that out later this week, guys. Hey, guys, it's Joe Marino. Being around sports media and a fan of the Buffalo Bills for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes 
It's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, and new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. So, Robbie, to finally get into some football and some Redskins <laughs> stuff here, you are the go-to offensive line guy for the Redskins on here. I go to you for all my Redskins like O-line breakdown. I, I get it all from you, man. So you do a great job with all that. And, Appreciate that. Yeah, no problem, man. And what was your take on these backup offensive linemen this past week? Uh, it, it wasn't pretty, um, but they got the job done in the end. Uh, the PFF pointed it out and. I didn't really take notice of it beforehand, but they really gave Ari Kwanjo high praise for that game. And I was like, I don't know about this. Like, this does not seem right because Ari Kwanjo's track record is not the best in the world. <laughs> he, he, up to this, I mean, I try not to be like overly, overly critical or bash a guy just to bash him, but when the film says it, it's hard not to. And every time Ari Kwanja got a shot leading up to this game, it was not good. Like, he'd get blown up. He was all over the place. Raw technique. Just just overall poor play. And to, I had to go back and look myself. And I haven't done my breakdowns yet, but I skimmed through it today and just watched him directly. Not too much in depth, but everything I saw in that game was, I'd say, pretty darn good, actually. Like, it was very surprising and refreshing, you know, that... I'm not going to say that he's taking this crazy jump all of a sudden, but he he had a good game, and it's it was much needed, you know. Because besides Catalina on the on the right side interior, it was we needed something on the left side, and and Quandra did that. I was I was very impressed. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember last year you were very low on Quandra when a lot of people were getting hyped about him just because he was a Scott McLuhan pick. What did you see like any noticeable improvement in like thing like certain areas he struggled in last year in the certain game or you just skimmed it so you didn't really see it yet? Well, I I, I could still see he had stronger hands. He was he played stronger. That that was my biggest knock on him was he just he you know he's this big dude from Alabama. You know, obviously he's strong in the weight room. He's got to be, but it, it doesn't translate onto the field. So it looked like to me that he finally kind of figured out how to play strong, have strong hands, and, and keep a good base. And and he did that. It was it was good to see. I want to see him do it more if he has to play in front of Laval again next week. Yeah, which very may well be because we are still ailing on the offensive line. How do you think yep. uh, TJ Clemmings did in this past week? <laughs> um, not good, Yeah, <laughs> to put it easily. See, here's my thing with TJ Clemmings. Uh, you can see why we signed him after preseason was over. He's got a lot of potential. Like I've seen a couple of clips of him just from this past game. He's got a beautiful pass set. It's everything after the pass set that he really struggles with. It's engaging with his man, using his hands right, whether to you know open his hips. It's it's all the everything else after that that really needs work. And it's 
and that's a lot. It's very important. I mean, you can have a pretty passive, but if, as soon as you get you know engaged with a guy like Dwight Freeney, he's going to eat you up because a guy like Dwight Freeney or even Everson Griffin this coming week, they're so good with technique. They pick you apart if you play with poor technique and don't trust it. And and that's exactly what Freeney did. He got him like at least three or four times with that spin move, and it's. I mean, you got to finally, you got to adapt. You know, if you know, if you know that spin moves going inside, make them go around you. You know, play, play, play. Learn from your mistakes. But it, I, I question Clemmings's awareness on the field. Yeah, I might be mistaken here. Was this Freeney's first game just off the couch for the Seahawks, or did he play another game before this one? I think it was his first one back, or first one with the Seahawks. I, I don't remember hearing anything about him last week, but I could be wrong. Yeah, because I was about to say, Freeney is not really conditioned, barely played any football. I don't really know exactly, but he's like, what, a 43-year-old 40, now at this point? <laughs> like, <laughs> he's ancient. Yeah, he's ancient, and the only thing he really has is that spin move, you know, from what I saw, and he still kept beating Clemmings over and over with it. And that, I mean, that was his go-to in his heyday, but, you know. And, when, and see, the thing, you got to, this is where you got to do your homework. I mean, you, you look at the scouting report, you see, okay, I'm going to be matched up with uh, Dwight Freeney to, uh, today. Most likely... He's going to try to do that spin move. That's what he's known for. And he's ancient. You know he's an old player. He doesn't have that same speed he used to have. So, I mean, I think the most obvious thing, at least how I would attack it as a left tackle there, is to take away the inside rush. You know, make, take a quick jab or kick step deep and then be patient, bounce your feet, and make him make the first move and react off that. Take away the inside rush and make him go around you. A guy like an old guy like Dwight Freeney is not going to beat you with speed. I, I don't care how good he was in his prime but now he's not beating you with speed the one sack he did get over the edge from clemmings was because kirk kept backing up in the yeah. pocket so i that's 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 the little things you got to study and be prepared for and i i just don't see clemmings putting in the work to be honest exactly exactly so now to talk about our last offensive line i want to highlight here we're going to save the worst for last how do you think tyler catalina did in this past game <laughs> the way I, i'd word it is bless your heart you know you're <laughs> You're trying, and I don't want to bash him. I mean, the guy shouldn't really be out there. He's out there because we got too many injuries. If if Sean Laval was still healthy and Sheriff was out, then Quanjo would be the right guard instead of having to play left guard at the same time. So, I mean, it's it's just not a good situation. The guy's not ready to be out there as a starter, and he had to fill in as an emergency guy in it, and it, he got abused. Jaron Reed abused him. Uh, Michael Bennett came inside a couple times and just tossed him like a rag doll. It was not good. Um, yeah, we really need Brandon Scherf back against the Vikings. I'm, I'm, that has me scared, too. Yeah, it's it's definitely a really hard matchup for back offensive line. We thought that the Seahawks were a tough matchup, but the Vikings' defensive line might be even nastier than them. Uh, yeah. I was, I'm curious of your take from the preseason because I know a lot of Redskins fans were surprised when they kept Catalina over Callis. Who do you think had a better preseason, or who do you think is a better player between the two, Callis or Catalina? I was I was one of those that thought Callis was the shoe in. I but didn't see anything from Catalina. Everybody was talking about Callis over the preseason, and from what I saw in the in, when I was at training camp and from watching the preseason, I thought Callis was the obviously better guy. But I mean, they kept Catalina. But I mean, it makes sense why they kept him. I mean, you need guys behind on the depth chart to be versatile. You need him to be able to play tackle guard or even center so I, I see why he got the edge in that but again I don't know I feel like the better player was was cut that day but you know it, it doesn't really matter I don't know if, if how much better Callis would have been against the Seahawks yeah. than, like Catalina was 
Yeah, I'm completely with you there. I did think Callis played better, even though I'm not an offensive lineman expert. I really don't know exactly what I'm watching half the time. So I got to ask you, what do you think the best trait is for an offensive lineman to have? Like, what's the best skill set they need to have coming to the NFL? When I, I'll say this: when I'm watching college tape for guys looking for offensive linemen to, you know, if I was having a my choice of offensive lineman to pick up in the draft for the Redskins, first thing I look for is you know their their technique you know if they have the technique then you know you can work with them if if a guy at this point as a senior going into the NFL still doesn't have good technique i mean you can you can take a gamble and pick him up and and say oh we can teach him this stuff but i mean i i promise you the same stuff that the college coaches are teaching is exactly what the NFL teaches it's a copycat league just like NFL down to college. All the college coaches go to the same clinics that these NFL teams pick or teach and, and put on, and they copy that and take that with them to the college their players. And and I was coached on that same stuff. And if the guy doesn't have it, then he's not going to ever learn it. I mean, that, that's my opinion. So I look at technique first, and then I look how at how they finish. Like, do they do they give up on plays? Do they finish the block? I mean, is you know are they doing their job and then kind of just letting it go and watching the play develop. You know, it's it's effort and heart. That's also something that if they have that, you can also work with. So th- those are the big things. And then uh, fast feet and good hands, that's a very important for offensive linemen. Exactly, exactly. Expert analysis there from the offensive lineman himself. You, you uh, just in case nobody knows, you played for Old Dominion, right? As a, yeah. And, nice, nice. Yep. Old yep. Dominion. I walked. I walked on originally as a, a true freshman uh, the year before they even had a, a real program yet, and then worked my way on the starting lineup after the, in the first season, and then got a full scholarship the year after that, and started all four years. So yeah, I'd, I'd like to. I brought it with me to after I graduated. Felt you know didn't really try to go to the NFL. I've liked my body being healthy, <laughs> <laughs> so so I've you know took it and. Turn it into a little uh, blogging and podcasting and doing some breakdowns here and there just to give more insight, and it's been fun. Yeah, guys, so that's kind of where his expertise comes from there. Again, everyone follow Robbie for his offensive line analysis. I know I do. I put him right up there with Brandon Thorne and Duke Mayweather. Those are my three guys to go to for the offensive line analysis. So Rob, uh, Robbie and I are going to jump into what we see with the with the Vikings game this ne- next week and who we think is going to have a big game. Just remember, though, subscribe, rate, review on iTunes. Locked on Redskins is on iTunes. I'm loving the reviews you guys are sending me so far, so keep it up. And remember, send send me all your hate, all your love, anything right there on iTunes. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, so now our last little bit of analysis here, Rob, before we before I send you home here or send you off here. What what is your like quick analysis? What do you th- what are you thinking about going into this Vikings game? I'm feeling better than I did last week against the Seahawks. I thought it was going to take a miracle and sure enough, we got a miracle. Um, but yeah, I do feel better about this matchup against the Vikings than I do the Seahawks. I thought the Seahawks had the better overall defense, this, this more scary defensive line, and then Russell Wilson, who was a pain in the butt to chase down and, and get, and they, they did really well, and they 
they got the job done with the guys that they had out there. So if they can put that same effort into this game against the Vikings that they did against the Seahawks, I think they can win it. Um, the biggest thing that scares me is Everson Griffin against TJ Clemmings. If Ty and Secchi, if Ty and Secchi isn't good to go this week, then we're, we're in trouble. You know, I think they're still going to try to rest Trent. And then if, if Ty can't make it, it's TJ Clemmings still. And a lot needs to be done because Everson Griffin – is in his prime right now, and he's a technician. He is a he's one of the league leaders in sacks right now, and it's going to be a nightmare for Clemmings trying to block him one on one. Chip him with a running back, a tight end. You know, have the left guard helping him out every play. Whatever you got to do, because that's the biggest key on offense, in my opinion. Yeah, just keep Jeremy Sprinkle on there every single play, and just have him as a six offensive lineman blocking Griffin, because Griffin Griffin is a stud. And just yeah. to mention some other guys they have on the defense line, they have Linval Joseph as well, yeah. who is a beast on the inside. So hopefully um, Tyler Catalina is not playing this week, because that would be yeah. that would be really rough. Uh, I think they have Jaleel Johnson, rookie out of Iowa, who's also playing a decent amount of snaps. They have a really stout defensive line, along with one of the best corners in football, some of the most athletic linebackers in football. So this defense is no slack. And, you know, if the Redskins struggle to score last week against the Seahawks, this defense is going to be an equal test for sure. And I'd like to think their kicker will make the kicks when, <laughs> yeah. when the opportunity presents itself. So it's definitely going to be a challenge. I'm not, going to, I'm not saying at all that this is going to be an easier one than Seahawks. But, I mean, slightly. But it's, it's definitely going to be a battle. It means when, we don't, when we're not healthy, guys have to step up and get the job done. And, and, and that's what it's going to have to take. That's what it's going to take, really. Yeah, honestly, give me give me Case Keenum over Russell Wilson any day. I would love to go against Case Keenum. Yeah, every I feel day much better about that. <laughs> yeah, especially even though they have you know they might have better receivers, better running backs, but Case Keenum instead of Russell Wilson definitely makes me feel better. It's going into this game. Exactly. So I've been kind of saying this past couple of weeks though, the Redskins need to split these next two games if they want to have a chance at the playoffs. They need to somehow pull off a win against the Vikings here or at New Orleans. How do you think their playoff outlook looks this year? Like, we're just looking at the schedule. I pointed this out earlier. I mean, maybe too optimistic, but, I mean, with all these injuries and the way we played against the Seahawks, it, it very well could be. If we still if we keep putting this effort in and getting these tough wins out, I mean, we could be getting some guys healthy and more fresh compared to other teams that are have been somewhat healthier and starting to wear down more as the season progresses. So if we can keep churning out and, and just – you know, pinning our ears back and getting the job done and getting these tough wins like next week against the Vikings would be awesome. Because after that, we have the Saints, and that's going to be, I think we're going to lose that one. But after that's the Giants, and that's a very winnable game. So if we can at least get two of those three, then I think things are looking pretty good. And it would be awesome to start getting some guys back and healthier. Yeah, especially I think this next week we should be getting Sheriff back, should be hopefully getting Ty and Secchi back along with Crowder and Reed. I don't know where they're at, but I'm assuming they're they're going to be coming back. And then Monte Nicholson in the back end should also be coming back. So those are a lot of guys coming that back. That would be a blessing. Yeah, Nicholson being back would be a blessing because, you know, he's my favorite player on the team for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> i got to give you props for that. I mean, you were all over that during the draft. And when we drafted him, when we finally picked him, you were like, hell yeah. Everybody else was like, what the hell was this? Who is this guy? So... Much props to you. That was he was a, he's he's showing a lot of uh, promise as a player right now. Oh man, I, it's so exciting when one of your players that you just fall in love with just does something in the NFL, and it's <laughs> just like Kev, Kev, <laughs> Kevin Byard over in Tennessee. Man, I I love that dude like to death. I had him as like my twentieth overall player, and he went like the third or fourth round, and I was like, the Tennessee just got the best player of the draft, and now he's what leading the NFL in picks, and it's just 
it's so fun when this happens, especially when Nicholson's like on our team. I'm like, I go to NFL.com every day and consider buying his jersey, but <laughs> he, is, <laughs> he is definitely my favorite player on the team by far. I'm just glad that everyone's kind of bought into him at this point. It wasn't a draft thing, but Ty Insecki is my stamp on that. Um, back when he was first on the team during preseason, I highlighted him like immediately the first practice I was at. He really stood out, and I was telling guys, he's going to make the team. He's going to make the team. Oh, no, it's going to be Willie Smith or whatever his name was. Yeah, he's going to be the swing tackle, but nope. It was Ty Insecki, and then he's, his shot came later that season against the Jets, and he he balled out, and he continues to ball out every time he gets a chance at left tackle. So that's my that's my stamp on <laughs> I put my I hang my hat on that one. Oh, I remember you, man. I remember the second that Trent went down, I think it was last year for a couple games, and you were telling everyone's like, relax, we have a stud behind him, he's gonna be very good. And everyone's like, Are you kidding me? Like Ty and Secky? Who's Ty <laughs> undrafted CFL dude? Yeah. But I mean Ty and Secky's look great. He's earned himself he's probably gonna get a pretty nice contract after the year from somebody. So he, yeah. he's definitely earned some money and he's a good player in this league. Quality offensive linemen are hard to come by now, so you gotta do what you can to keep them. You do. I'm glad we actually kept around for this year because if Trent does end up going on IR after Ty comes back, then we are so glad to have Ty instead of TJ Clemming starting the rest of the year. <laughs> Absolutely. And I know Vikings fans will actually tell me that too because uh, Josh Mensch is coming on later this week from Purple Report. And man, yeah, yeah. man, when we were when we were talking about TJ Clemmings when the Redskins first got him, he was like, dude, I pray for you and Al every night because <laughs> TJ Clemmings is terrible. <laughs> It's it's frustrating too because I like I said I see the potential and if it, the light bulb ever goes off he could be a pretty good offensive lineman but it's it's one of those guys that I don't think the light bulb will ever go off for so unfortunately yeah there's definitely a lot of things there that's not like technique or or anything there it's just something with him his head his mental game his you know something there that's just not clicking for him I don't know if it ever will either man yeah. Um, it's it is what it is. If everybody, if the light bulb went off for everybody, then there'd be tons of all pro players fighting for a spot on the Pro Bowl roster. So that's just the way it is. Very true, man. Very true. Well, I had a blast talking to you tonight, man. We're gonna let you go here. Any last words you want to say here before you before I let you go? Uh, no. We'll have a on Warpath episode come out later this week with uh, me and my co-host Rob Henson. Um, you can find that on RedskinsCapitalConnection.com. And then be sure to follow me for on Twitter for all my Redskin breakdowns for the offensive line. Usually it's about Wednesday or Thursday when I get to it. It's, it kind of depends. I don't have days off during the week to really do it anymore. So I kind of have to do it when I get the time. But yeah, keep, keep an eye on Twitter for that. Awesome, man. Awesome, man. I really appreciate you coming on, taking the time tonight. It was a blast having you on here yeah, on Locked on Redskins. Appreciate it. Yep, you were invited anytime you want. So anytime you want to come on and just talk about offensive linemen, I love offensive linemen. I played little league offensive linemen my whole life, so I have a. <laughs> you know a little something. I just know about the disrespect. <laughs> I just know about the disrespect the offensive linemen get. That's all I know about. That's true. Yeah. It's a. They're not in it for the glory. That's for sure. Yep. The game ball goes to the running back, and it's like, hey, those holes anyone could have run through. That's a, I. I know the feeling. I know the feeling. <laughs> yep all right guys so that's all we have for today remember to tune in tomorrow as as we have justin gamble of nfl draft bible on and we were talking about draft questions draft players and getting his crazy hot takes on here is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements maybe it's time for a rebuild or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the lombardi trophy either way join keith sanchez and damian parson for mock draft monday on the locked on nfl draft podcast 
They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 